0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of your favorite paranormal podcast called Paranormal Exposed. This is the evidence-based podcast that looks into various paranormal occurrences that happen here in the United States. I'm your host, Michelle, and I am a skeptic by nature, but I do want to be a believer. I am both intrigued by the paranormal and really open to the possibilities of what might be out there. So join me every Wednesday as I dive into a different paranormal topic and present to you what is real, what is not real, and what may just be in between. I'll present both the historical facts as well as the paranormal reports and we will see where the two meet. So join me in exposing the paranormal. This week's episode takes us out to Atchison, Kansas, and this is the story of the McIntyre Villa. Before I get into the story, I do want to say that there are reports of suicide in the episode, and suicide is a difficult topic, so please be advised that it is covered. If you do need support, you can always call the National Suicide Hotline in the United States toll-free at 1-800-273-8255, and if you don't feel comfortable talking to someone about it over the phone, you can also visit suicidepreventionhotline.org and chat with someone that way. Now I'm going to get into the history of the McIntyre Villa. And Atchison, Kansas is really known for two things. First off, it is the birthplace of Amelia Earhart. And secondly, it is that the entire town is said to be extremely haunted. So Irish-born John McIntyre, he came to the States as a young boy and he set off on his own. And when he got here, he learned the skill of harness making. So what he did as a young kid, he set up a small shop in Atchison and became really well known and successful in not only making harnesses, but also saddles. He was so successful, he was able to expand his business and make products on a pretty large scale for the time. Over the years, he started investing his money in real estate and actually invested in making business blocks in the area as well. In 1861, he married his wife, Alice, and in 1889, McIntyre Villa was built for John at a cost of about $14,000. That would be about $423,000 today. It took about a year for the home to be completed. It was finished in 1890, and he wanted the home to actually be built in the town. But even with his success, the town actually blocked him from building in the town because of his Irish heritage. So what he did is he built the home just outside of the town. McIntyre Villa is a brick Victorian style home. It's just shy of fifty two hundred square feet, so not small by any means, and it features five bedrooms, four bathrooms, it has 10-foot-tall ceilings, five fireplaces throughout the house, and there's actually beautiful stained glass windows throughout the home. Now, stained glass windows really weren't commonplace as they were really, really expensive back in the day, and if a home had stained glass, it was usually in just one window in a pretty prominent area where people would see it and kind of show your status. Though, as kind of a dig at the town for snubbing him, John McIntyre actually put stained glass throughout the home so he could kind of show how successful he is, even though he's Irish. Unfortunately, John and Alice actually didn't get to enjoy their home for very long, as December 11th of 1891, Alice ended up passing away. She'd only been able to live in the home for about a year. In eighteen ninety five, he ended up getting married again to his second wife, whose name was Anna Conlon. She was actually a widow with three sons, so John acquired three sons. Though in July of nineteen oh two, about eleven years later, John ended up passing away. It from nineteen oh two to nineteen sixteen. Anna continued to live in the home with her sons, and during that time, many of her relatives actually lived at the McIntyre Villa as well. Then in 1916, Anna actually ended up passing away, though members of her family actually remained living in the home until 1925. At that time, it became a boarding house that was called the J.N. Arthur Apartment. The apartment stayed intact until 1952, when the home was actually purchased by a woman named Isabel Altus, though she went by the nickname of Goldie. She bought the home because she wanted to restore it, though unfortunately was limited by her funds. She remained in the house for quite some time until in 1969 she sold the home to a couple named George and Thelma Girardi. George, he's actually a master carpenter and he went to work wanting to restore the home as well. He started working on the home, but he didn't actually get too much done as the walls were so thick that it actually makes it difficult to change the inside structure of the home. So, no open floor plan here, guys. So, sorry if you've been watching too much HDTV. The couple actually loved living in this historic home. They were... Fans of the Haunted Trolley Tours that go by the house all the time and love the onlookers stopping by in front of the home. They love to talk to them. They really were the perfect couple to get this house. So currently, as many of you are familiar with the Sally House, this McIntyre Villa is actually only about five minutes down the road from the Sally House. It is located at 1301 Kansas Avenue in Atchison. And on March 26th of 1975, the home was actually added to the National Register of Historic Places. The home has been fully restored and kept original as can be, even with the furniture. And the current family does host ghost hunts, as well as overnight paranormal lock-ins. An overnight paranormal investigation will run you $400 a night for your group, and this is on a weekend, and on a weekday, it's $300 for your group. The family who owns it has decorated the place in very period furniture, but the only actually original piece of furniture is the rocking chair in the home. The family has really dived into making the place look really creepy with dolls and stuff all over, and they're very much driven towards marketing the ghostly aspects of the McIntyre Villa. There are cameras that are placed throughout the home and they also feature the lighted cat balls that light up when they are moved throughout so people can kind of monitor ghostly activity. The hauntings that are said to be happening in the house is lights will turn on and off by themselves, especially in the tower of the home where there's actually no electricity at all. Figures will be seen moving in the windows when no one is home. And boxes will actually be moved, and a portable speaker was actually thrown off one of the counters in the kitchen. The rocking chair that I mentioned earlier, that's the only original piece of furniture, that is actually where someone died. And when they died in the chair, they must have left their spirit as it continues to rock back and forth on its own. This is said to be the spirit of Isabel Altis, who if you remember was woman who lived here before the Girardis, she actually killed herself in the chair with a pistol that was found sitting next to her. And it is said that it was her favorite chair, which is why she rocks in it even in her afterlife. Miss Altus has been dubbed a witch. It is said that she rarely left home and was often seen wearing black. She was also rumored to have been an FBI agent as well. Throughout the home, you will also hear the sound of slamming doors in the night. Even pocket doors will be said to have been slammed, which is kind of a strange thing to say. I'm not sure how you would slam a pocket door, but maybe you just kind of hear them rattling as they're going in or out. Footsteps will be heard walking down the hall, especially on the second floor, and many people will report a feeling of being watched and uneasy on the second floor. Various items will move from one location to another in the home, doorknobs will be heard turning, and there will, of course, be large changes in temperature throughout various parts of the room, including cold spots. There are also the reports of smells of a woman's perfume as well as cigarettes. People will hear voices of females throughout the home, and a male is sometimes heard in one of the rooms upstairs on the second floor. Upstairs, in the sitting room, one of the doors opens on its own, and sometimes a shadow figure is seen. There's also shadows reported on the second floor that vary in shape and sizes, and one of them even has glowing eyes. In the attic, there's a little bit more of either a mischievous or devious spirit, as in the attic, people will be touched, Their hair will be pulled, and some people even reported being slapped. So, quite a bit of activity that is said to have been going on in McIntyre Villa. Lots of stuff going on. It sounds pretty creepy. And now I'm going to get into some of the deaths that actually happened at the McIntyre Villa. There are six to nine reported deaths in 1892. Uh, Mr. McIntyre's first wife, Alice, did die in the home. She died of an intermittent fever that she had been battling for about a year. It is not actually specified that she died in the home, but it is assumed. The next death that is said to have been reported in the home was that of Mrs. James Conlon on September 22, 1898. Mrs. James Conlon was the mother of Anna Conlon, who was John McIntyre's second wife. She had been living in the home when she fell ill and was taken to St. Joe's Hospital. When she got to the hospital, it was found that she was actually fatally ill, so they transferred her back to the home at McIntyre Villa where she could pass away with her family. In 1899, a year later, Mr. James Conlon, Anna's father, actually died in the home as well. Now, as far as him, he actually did not pass away in the home, even though it's reported that he did. He did pass away in November of that year, but he actually passed away in his son's home, which was on Laramie Street in Atchison, Kansas. In July of 1902, Mr. McIntyre himself passed away in the home, and he died of what was called dropsy. Now, this is a term from the time period for excess swelling. These days, it might be something like, just heart failure, something like that, though so it was kind of more of a general term, but he did pass away in the home. Then in 1916, Anna Conlon, John McIntyre's second wife, she was recovering in the home from a case of neutritis when she died unexpectedly of heart failure. Now, neutritis was linked to alcoholism in some searches I ran or a paralytic condition in parts of the body, though it was really hard to kind of find out what this might be. But she did die in the home in her bed. This would have been on the second floor, which is maybe why a lot of the activity is reported on the second floor. The next account, which could also be why a lot of the activity happens on the second floor, is associated with Anna Conlon's son, Charles Donovan. He had contracted the flu while overseas in war and was really not getting over it. It had been over a year, and he was pretty despondent about being ill and, I guess, just sick of being sick. So, on October 10th of 1922, the family had just finished dinner, and Charles went upstairs. When the family heard a gunshot, when they went upstairs to the upstairs bedroom, they found that Charles Donovan had shot himself in the head with a 22 caliber pistol. The bullet had gone into the right side of his temple and lodged in his brain. They rushed him to the hospital as he still was living, but unfortunately, two hours later, he ended up dying at the nearby hospital. So, while he did not die in the house, there was a very tragic event, and he had lived at the house, so his spirit might be still associated with the house, and especially the upstairs room where he died. This takes us to December 15th of 1969, and this is what happened with Isabel Altus, a.k.a. Goldie. Now, remember, she was the one who was said to be a witch, who was said to be the FBI agent, who had Committed suicide with a pistol in the rocking chair. Well, a little fact checking on this is Isabel Altus had sold the home to the Girardi family, but she didn't move out right away as she couldn't afford it and the Girardis were letting her stay. Now, Goldie was living in the home, but it had been a few days before anyone had seen her. So, her neighbor, Dorothy Bond, and the new owner, Mr. Girardi, entered the home and actually found Isabel dead in a chair. She had passed away in the rocking chair, but she had not committed suicide and there was no gun in place. Her physician stated that it looked like she had died of natural causes and had been passed away for about 24 hours before she had been found. Visitation for her body was actually held in the next room in the house where she had died. On June 17th of 2006, at the age of 86, George Girardi actually passed away in the home of natural causes as well. On September 10th of 2014, George Girardi's wife, Thelma, also passed away in the home. The last death that is said to have been reported in the home happened in the attic. It is said that someone hung themselves from the rafters in the tower of the home. Now, there are newspaper articles about pretty much anything associated or that happened at the McIntyre home. This would be things like articles about people feeling unwell, things like that, any parties that happened. There's no mentions in the archives about a hanging transpiring here. There are records also that indicate that their daughter and others died or killed themselves, though looking through genealogy records it gets pretty messy as names are put both in undermarried and unmarried names, also many of the people are named after their parents and their records have been combined. I really had to struggle through all the genealogy records, but I couldn't find any evidence of any other deaths or anybody else killing themselves other than Anna Conlin's son. Regardless, there have been quite a number of deaths from natural causes, from Suicide, things like that, and there has been tons of paranormal investigations that have happened. There's tons of video evidence, EVP sessions which claim to hear voices and screams. Though so everything I looked at, video and EVP-wise, seems a bit suspect or really reaching. The video evidence is really lacking. Um, some of them, you will see like a door open on its own, which in an old home, this really isn't too crazy or uncommon of an occurrence. Couldn't find any shadows or any other suspicious activity noted. And I really watched a ton of videos and I didn't see anything that really couldn't be easily kind of written off. And what surprised me is there's cameras that are running in the house 24 hours a day. And nothing has been really caught on camera other than a door opening on its own from, you know, a camera angle all the way down the hall. You would think if it was really that haunted that they would have caught something. Maybe I just didn't see a good paranormal investigation or good evidence. It might be out there. So I'd love to definitely check it out. I'm hoping one day to get out to Atchison and maybe spend the night here just checking it out. But maybe you already have. I would love to hear your thoughts on whether you think the McIntyre Villa is haunted or not. Maybe you've had a personal experience, some proof, other facts. I'd love to hear your feedback on this episode as well and suggestions you may have for a future episode. So make sure you tune in every Wednesday wherever you tune in. And don't forget to leave a five-star review if you enjoyed this podcast. You can also follow on social media for more information on this episode and future episodes. You can follow on Instagram at The Paranormal Truth, on Facebook at Paranormal Exposed, or you can always shoot an email to Paranormal Podcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you all so much for tuning in, and I will catch you all next Wednesday.